Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, man, I want you guys to know that we have a lot of fun here. Uh, we have to cut off our laughs right before we come up here on video. Um, but seriously, we're grateful that you are uh, joining with us this morning. Uh, maybe it's a it's a beautiful morning, so maybe you decided to go watch church and have church out on your deck. I know that's what I would have been doing uh, if I was at home. But again, welcome. Thank you for joining with us this morning. We do want to remind you that we are uh, beginning to encourage our people to uh, to maybe join in with what we're calling watch parties. Uh, so rather than just you or your family uh, watching this this live service or upcoming live services, uh, we're encouraging you to maybe gather together with a, with a few other people, uh, get together in a living room and watch the service and then discuss and and maybe uh, maybe hang out together or play a game. Uh, but we want you to start thinking about that as over these next few weeks. We're probably looking at uh, middle of June when we when we start to gather uh, in person. But between now and then, man, if there's someone that you'd like to watch these church services with, we'd encourage you to think about that. Being respectful of guidelines, of course, and then obviously what you're comfortable with. Um, but if you need help with that, if you're like, I want to host a party or I want to be involved in one, but I'm not sure where to look, would you reach out to us at the church office? Uh, and we would be glad to uh, make those connect, help you make those connections within our church, because we truly believe that we're better together and we're better when we're able to do this in community. So um, we hope that you would be able to do that in these next few weeks. But for now, let's, uh, let's pray and then we're going we're gonna to sing together. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the beautiful spring weather and warm air uh, and opportunities to be outside and, and just your, your goodness and your creation. Uh, we thank you so much for the way that you show us your love in those ways. God, as we gather together once again uh, through the internet, through virtual methods, God, we pray that you would uh, continue to be near us. Make your presence known. Uh, help us to be receptive to your presence. And now as we go through this service, God, may it be an act of worship in all that we do through singing and through scripture and teaching. God, would you be honored and glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tears will fall, my soul will 
rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. There's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. Though the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. There's hope in this heart.
I'll see you.
sure is good to be reminded of his faithfulness.
reminded of um, a verse, a couple of verses that I'm going to read to you in the book of Lamentations. If you know anything about Lamentations, uh, there's a couple chapters before that that just kind of go on and on in a lament of just lots of bad things. And I don't know about you, but I feel like this last two months, it's kind of been like morning by morning, uh, new bad things I see. <laughs> Anybody else? It's like every morning you wake up and there's something new that is not good. Um, but the Word of God tells us something different. And so I'm going to read halfway through here in verse, I mean, uh, chapter 3. It says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I am so encouraged by those verses, and I hope you are too. I'm going to teach you a new song this morning. Everybody says, yay, it is a beautiful song, <laughs> yes. I have people cheering in here, it's amazing. Um, I think you're gonna catch on pretty quickly. And the cool thing is when this is all over, if you want to, you can rewind. You can rewind this live stream and you can listen to it again and again and again. Um, it is called Goodness of God. And I pray you're encouraged by it. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God Cause all my life you have been faithful
this together. Oh God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises which exceed all that we can desire through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. It's so good to be with you again. Thanks, Paul. So I'm picturing you guys watching church together at home. And I know if your kids are like mine, sometimes they're not just right there with you. They might be off in the corner. They might have brought their toys to church. Now is a great time to kind of focus in and gather everybody together. Because one of the beautiful parts of being able to do church as a family, even though it's in our house, is that there are those moments and we want to make those spaces for you to have those discussions and include your kids in what we're talking about. So today I've got a question for you and you guys can discuss this together. Question is, does an orange float? All right, take a second. Don't run to your kitchen. Don't test this out. Just take a second and think about that. Does an orange float? All right, guess is locked in. Yes, no, maybe. Let's check it out. All right, it's in and it's floating. All right, so an orange floats. I'm gonna show you another orange though. And I'm curious if you think this is gonna change anything. This orange, I have taken off its peel. What do you think? Yes, no? Let's put it in there too. Um, without a peel, that orange does not float. Okay, what does this have to do with anything? Why are we talking about oranges? I love to connect important faith discussions and topics to things that we see and use every single day. Because in my life, this gives the Holy Spirit a chance to remind me and teach me every time I interact with that. And so I'm betting by the end of today, you will never be able to look at an orange again without there being this slight reminder in the back of your brain that that orange somehow can teach me something about the armor of God. Now, an orange has a peel to protect it, and we can see it actually makes it float in water. God has given us this thing. We call it the armor of God, but he gives it to us to prepare us and protect us as we fulfill the mission he gave us. We've talked about our mission. It's to go and share our faith We've talked about the Holy Spirit, that power that comes into us to give us that boldness. And now we're going to talk about how he really prepares us. He takes us a step further. Now, when we think about the armor of God, probably most of us have a picture in our mind of this soldier, decked out top to bottom, heavy armor, ready to fight. 
And today I want you to think, uh, maybe to change that picture a little bit, because we wonder, what are we fighting? We picture soldiers going out to fight, and they're fighting other people. We aren't taking our faith and using it to fight other people. Our mission is other people. So what do we really need this protection for? What are we supposed to be prepared for? Well, just like physical armor is going to protect our most vulnerable parts, our head, our body, God's armor, this metaphor, this picture that Paul uses is to help us to understand how this is going to work. It's going to protect our most vulnerable parts, our minds and our hearts, what we think and know about Jesus and about God and about our faith and what we feel about him and about other people. So as we wear this armor, it allows us to go forward in confidence, knowing and trusting what God says about him and about us is true. And that causes us to know the difference then when a lie comes in to tell me that God doesn't love me, that I'm not good enough, that I can't be a part of this mission because I'm not as gifted as someone else. We recognize those because of this protection. I can recognize that as a lie. The thing is, though, we have a choice. Just like when it's cold out, you can choose to wear your coat or not. We have a choice. Ephesians says we need to put on this armor of God. We need to decide every day, sometimes every minute of every day, that we are going to put our hope, put our confidence in who God is, what he says, what he has promised, even if that means sometimes ignoring and those feelings and those fears that are rising up all around us. So let's go back to our oranges here for a second. Now, this orange doesn't really have a choice. I chose to take its peel off. But when an orange is wearing its peel, it's able to float around in this water. The water cannot get in. So if we think about this water, let's say that this is those, those hard circumstances in our life, those lies, those tip, tricks, those temptations that we have to, to doubt that God is who he is, that he will do what he says that he will do. He says he's going to be with us. If this orange is wearing its peel, that water cannot get in. It is, it is on the outside. But without the peel, without that armor, without that protection, those lies quickly swamp in and overcome it. And it, it sinks. So today I encourage you to put on your armor. Put your hope and your confidence in God, in your salvation, in who he is and who he says you are, which is a beloved child of his. So that when the lies, when the t tricks, when the fears come in, you're going to be able to stand firm or float and not be overcome. So today I just want you to remember that God has given us a mission and it is a mission that is going to take our entire lives, but he's not sent us on it alone. And he has all sorts of things that he wants us to use to be prepared. It's an awesome illustration. I, I wish it makes me want orange juice, uh, but uh, I, I don't think I'll do that right now. We're um, in the midst of this COVID-19. I, I do believe one of the things that's happening is we're, we're reevaluating life, um, all life. Uh, you're seeing some good things and some, of course, some negative things. There's, there's always a mixture of, of things, but we're trying to determine what's important. Uh, Terry and I went and got ice cream last night. What I've determined is ice cream is important, as I saw the crowds there. Uh, but, but we're trying to determine what's important or essential for the church. What, what is essential in our gathering? And, and, and we've, we've put some posts out on Facebook, and, 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 and I think it's, it's, 
okay. It would be good for, for you folks to kind of respond to those and, and what you want or what you uh, like to see or what's the most important part of church for you as we as at some point here, I, I believe in June, we begin to regather again and uh, we, we, we begin to try to find a sense of normalcy in church. What are the things we, we need to make sure uh, that we include and do? But through this, we've seen that the church is not a building or a time, but it's a people pursuing the mission of God. And, and so throughout this time, I, I, I don't believe we've stopped being the church. As a matter of fact, I, I believe we're continuing to be the church. And, and I'm, I'm excited and I'm encouraged by what God has done in your midst, even during this time. And, and we're in the midst of this series, Go, which I believe is a perfect series for what we're talking about, uh, the, the ideal of going and, and, and what we're intended to do. And we talked about the Great Commission, and, and then last week we talked about Pentecost, we talked about the giving of the Holy Spirit. And we've been dealing with this ideal that mission occurs in our gatherings and our goings, that, that when we gather as, as the church, as we gather as the people of God, that is a significant part of his mission, that, that God is here in our gatherings, that, that as we've gathered across Union County, some, some of you in your home, uh, a few of us in the sanctuary, uh, as we have gathered in his name, we believe that God is in his midst, and as we encounter his Holy Spirit, there's transformation. But, but we believe God also wants to fill our going so, so that it's just not about the times we gather, but it's how we go and how we uh, go about our work, how we, how we do family, how we live in our community and our neighborhoods. And, and we've been talked about that the primary mission of the church is to invite, to include, and train. Not, not just here. Uh, I love this building. I love this church. I, I love our gatherings. Uh, that there's some significant things that happen here that maybe can only happen here, but these things can occur in our homes. Uh, they, they can occur in our neighborhoods and our schools, our workplaces. As a matter of fact, as the Spirit fills God's people, God's intention is that as His people go, our God is free to, to move about our community and be present as He's present in us. Now, now, the Jews had an understanding that the temple represented the presence of God. Uh, but, but they understood that they all couldn't live in Jerusalem. They li they lived, many of them lived many miles and many days away from Jerusalem. So, so what did that mean? Well, that, that meant in their local communities, they would build synagogues. And these would be these local churches, if you will. And, and there was a bare minimum of Jewish adult males that had to be present before a synagogue could be built. There had to be 10 Jewish males present for a synagogue to begin. Uh, but, but the ancient Jewish rabbis understood that God's presence filled more than the temple and God's presence filled more than synagogues. And, and as a matter of fact, ancient Jewish rabbis would say, when two or three gather, two or three <laughs> gather to study God's word, God was present in their midst. And so they actually discouraged people from studying the Bible alone, and they encouraged people to study God's Word together. They needed each other. And so in Matthew 18, 20, when Jesus says, I will be present when two or three are gathered in His name, He's not contradicting the ancient rabbis. Jesus is saying, I fulfill the law. And so when you gather in my name, when you gather around the word, I will be present. The Holy Spirit fills us. 
And, and so there's this special feeling, there's this special gift when, when we're in this room together. Uh, there, there's 120 of us gathered in this room, and, and the Holy Spirit has filled each person. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't fill a place. He fills people. And as the Holy Spirit has filled each of us as we've gathered in this room, there's this special measure of His grace, His mercy, and His presence. But it doesn't have to be two or three hundred. We're two or three. Now, now, now in a, a church of our size, it, it allows us to have resources. It allows us to have different perspectives, different experiences. And all those things are valuable and they, they add value to the, the gathered body of Christ. But God's mission can occur in small groups. What we can invite, include, and train in groups of two and three. In fact, maybe even a bit more effectively. See, the church is intended to accomplish God's mission through God's Spirit. And COVID-19 has not taken the mission or the Spirit. And we can accomplish His mission through His Spirit, with His power, whether we are gathering in groups of two or three hundred or groups of two or three. Mara alluded to the scripture for today, and it's Ephesians chapter 6. And it's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus. And verse 10, Paul begins, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth tucked around your waist, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the, with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, there, there's so much in this passage, and, and, and truly you could preach a series just on this passage. And as a matter of fact, my Bible study beginning Wednesday night, we're going to begin to work through the armor of God. And so I'd encourage you, if you'd like to participate on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock, we, we have a Zoom Bible study and I, I, I send a, a Bible study video out earlier in the week. It says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Here's the truth. We cannot do this on our own. That, that when we talk about all these things that God wants to do in His church, this is not something we can do in our own power, in our own strength. I'm reminded of the story of Joshua and the angel. And Joshua is coming up to, to fight the, battle of the Lord's battle, and he, he encounters this, this angel, and he says, Are you for us or against us? And the angel says, Neither. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. In other words, the angel says, I'm not on your side or their side. I'm on God's side. And I think sometimes we worry so much about having God on our side that perhaps we should focus on making sure we're on God's side. 
that, that God has a will and a way. And, and, and our, our struggle is to make sure not that we get God to see things our way, but that we begin to see things God's way. Paul writes, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Mara said it, and, and she's so true in saying this, we are not in a battle against people. And I think that's important enough to say again. We are not in a battle against people. In fact, the mission is people, all people. And so sometimes we get caught up in these culture wars. We, we, we become like we see in Washington with our politicians where we demonize people. The Word of God does not demonize people. The, the Word of God sees people as extremely valuable regardless of their perspective. And, and so we're talking about weapons here, and, and I believe that sometimes in the church this can lead to some unfortunate attitudes towards people. You know, it, it's true to say that we're in the Lord's army. <laughs> Uh, I can remember growing up, that was one of the songs that we used to sing. I may never march in the enemy. I never zoom over the enemy. That was my favorite song because, believe it or not, I was a hyper young boy, and a hyper young boys like to sing, We're in the Lord's Army. <laughs> uh, but we're not fighting people. Uh, if people are our enemy, we are living contrary to the mission. The mission is people. And every once in a while I'll hear the analogy of, are you on a cruise ship or a battleship? If you love that analogy, I apologize in advance. I hate the analogy. I think the better analogy is a rescue ship. We've got a task at hand, and we're called not to battle people, but we're called to rescue them. And, and there's weapons used in Ephesians. Paul, Paul talks about different weapons. The, the belt of truth, a breastplate, feet fitted, a shield, a helmet, a sword. These are all weapons. And, and Mara talked about the defensive nature of these weapons. And that's true. There, there is a defensive element of what Paul is saying here. The, the church is intended to be a place of protection. And that is the imagery throughout the Bible. It is kind of sad that, that oftentimes in the church, the church is the place that eats its wounded. But this is meant to be a place of protection, of safety, where we gather around one another. But not only are these images of defensive weapons, they're images of offensive weapons. Jesus says... The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And when you're talking about the gates of hell, then Jesus is giving the illusion or the suggestion that we are to be advancing against the enemy, and the enemy is the one that needs to be sheltered from us. We're called to an offensive mission. Now, now I think when we talk about weapons and, and, and what we, how we need to attack the enemy and not people, but the, the spiritual forces that, that oppose people, 
I think we maybe need a different perspective. And I encourage you all, I hope you all watched um, Malcolm Gladwell's TED Talk on David and Goliath, because I think David gives us some perspective of how we are to engage in this battle. In the story of David and Goliath, if you watch Gladwell's talk, he makes a couple suggestions. The first thing he notes is that David does not engage Goliath like Goliath wants David to engage him. He doesn't use the weapons that Saul has. And, and so, so Goliath is this warrior. He, he's heavy infantry, and he's got all these protections on him. And David rejects those types of resources. Instead, he uses his sling. Now, now a shepherd's sling is not a slingshot. It's not a child's toy. It's a deadly weapon. And, and, and David could have used that sling to, to an effect of almost like a forty-five caliber handgun. That would have been the force of the rock that David would have used. And the rocks in this valley were extremely hard. And the sling would have been accurate at 200 yards, two football fields. Shepherds were known to be able to kill birds in flight with their slings. In a battle between a slinger and heavy infantry, the slinger always wins. It's like bringing a knife to a gunfight. I'm reminded of maybe my favorite movie of all time, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, when Indiana Jones has the guy with the sword and Indiana Jones just pulls his gun and shoots him. That's the equivalent of what David does. The, the warrior Goliath is waiting for him to engage him in the weapons that he's using, and David uses a superior weapon. Could it be we're allowing the enemy to choose our weapons? Hatred is never overcome with hatred. Love always wins. Selfish, selfishness is never overcome with more selfishness, but generosity. Bitterness is never overcome with more bitterness, but joy. Greed is never overcome with more greed, but thanksgiving. Judgment is overcome with hospitality. Are we allowing our enemy, to choose the weapons instead of choosing the superior weapons? One more thing that Gladwell points out, and I'd encourage you to watch the TED Talk. It's 15 minutes, and, and it's well worth it. He talks about Goliath's size perhaps being a hint to some physical ailments, some physical problems. He talks about how Goliath, if you'll read the passage, Goliath is led out into the field of battle. Goliath particularly mentions the sticks that David has when David has one stick, implying double vision. So you have this giant that's immobile with double vision. Gladwell concludes his talk with this, giants are not as strong and powerful as they sometimes appear. He gave this same talk at Catalyst, and I was there for it. And, and Gladwell says, who's the underdog? The giant with physical issues and inferior weapons, or David with superior weapons full of the Spirit of God? <laughs> Folks, we're not full of inferior weapons. 
we're filled with superior weapons. And the battle is ours, that the fight is right. What God has called us to do, we can accomplish. God has particularly equipped us for our mission. And God is bigger than our mission. So I have a couple questions for you as I, I come to a close, close here this morning. Where is the Spirit leading you? And secondly, what is your mission? Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit. We're thankful for the mission. We're thankful, Lord, that you give us protection in the battle. But not only do you give us protection, Lord, you give us the ability to pursue the enemy. The enemy is not people. Lord, may, may we always keep in mind that the mission is people. And Lord, may we practice love instead of hate. May we practice hospitality instead of judgment. May we practice generosity instead of selfishness. May, may, may we practice forgiveness instead of bitterness. May, may we always choose the better weapons. Now, Lord, be with our church, protect us, continue to guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, may the God of peace, who brought you up from the, from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. God bless, folks.